Welcome everybody to the Glorious Rugby Podcast. I'm your co-host John Fitzpatrick, proprietor of Rugby Morning, and joining me is my co-host Alistair Kirschpool, writer at Glorious Rugby, AKP. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling great. How are you? Good, man. Good. How was your weekend? What'd you do? I well, I took in some old Glory Rugby, and it was fantastic. Just good to to see everything in in person again had some uh, disappointing viewing experiences of the six nations and my kitchen flooded so you know overall mixed bag but i think positive i'll take old glory if it you know even if it means those other things your friday night sounded like it started pretty well unfortunately the weekend kind of ended on a downer but that's okay it's going to pick up um, i'm excited to talk a little bit about um, the preseason match, All Glory DC against Rugby New York. Unfortunately, I was unable to attend. I had planned on going, but I was actually at a celebration of rugby event on Friday night. Washington DC Youth Rugby, the uh, nonprofit organization that I uh, help coach the U7s team. They've got um, free programs, free summer touch programs for, for kids that want to play rugby in Washington DC. They had a fundraiser to raise funds to keep rugby programs free in uh, D.C. So that was a lot of fun to catch up with everyone. And uh, everyone there was pretty much all Glory fans, so everyone was curious how the game was going on. And there was actually a raffle to win free season tickets to Old Glory that I put my ticket in, but my number was not called. But that's okay. Try again next year, I suppose. Yeah. It sounded like a cool event, and I, I was interested in going, but it's a shame it, it overlapped with that preseason game yeah it did so but hey let's talk a little bit about that uh, preseason match on friday old glory dc hosted the new york iron workers at the st james for those who haven't been to the st james it is such a cool facility in springfield virginia might not be the easiest to get to sometimes around rush hour but alistair have you been there before had you seen a, a match talk a little bit about you know the facility and uh Walking in there on Friday night. Yeah, so I've been to their previous preseason games there, all the way back in in 2020. It's first all glory I watched was in there. Um, it's like you say, massive facility. Um, like you're playing on an indoor field, and then like across the hall, there's two ice rinks, and like it's a climbing wall. There's all sorts of stuff in there. Um, place is massive but importantly indoors which is nice in in our current weather man i would not want to have been outside in that wind chill um (laughs) i mean the ceiling's a bit of an issue there was a ball that got stuck in the netting at the the top but for the most part like it's a quality place and it fits about a thousand fans in theory and old glory was saying that they had 1259 people there at the the preseason match which is impressive yeah i um i saw some pictures online i saw a couple of video clips here and there and um the photos looked good it seemed like there was a big crowd there excited to watch old glory play it seemed pretty loud again you know it's it's indoors of course and things are going to echo but you know for a freezing cold February night, Friday night with plenty of entertainment options around the city. It was cool to see that it seemed like it was a pretty packed house. Come watch Old Glory play. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great experience. They always are. And like you say, with it being indoors and you get the echoes, it it does get quite loud in there and like it's great. It's 
it's such a good atmosphere especially for games that you know they're not as well attended as as the regular season games but you know i was when i was talking to one of the players after the after the match he was he said this place makes a thousand fans feel like five thousand yeah, it's great how a little bit of noise echoing down makes things much bigger um which is which is really cool uh, let's let's talk about that game i want to um i want to talk about what old glory dc did right so they had a first half squad and they had a second half squad of course right we talked about it on the last episode about how Old Glory wants to probably in these preseason run a lot of players out there, figure out some matchups, fine tune some things. You know, we talked a little bit about you know result. We don't care too much about there's certain things we're we're looking for, but when you look at the first half squad that was put out there, was there anything that stood out to you before they kicked off in terms of who they trotted out first in that in that starting fifteen? Yeah, so both squads were sort of a mixture of of starters and um like people we expect to start and people we expect to be backups um the the first half squad had jack escaro and stan south um in the forwards um and then a lot of people we would sort of more expect to be backups cali martinez our uh third our draft pick um picked third in the draft uh, David Beach, who um, spent some time in Utah, and is looking like he might have a bit of a bigger role here this year. Um, Colin Gross, another one of our draftees. Um, and then in the backs, we had uh, Danny Tusatala, who was, he was great. He was electric as always. Um, Graydon Boyd, who like I don't expect most people know because he's sort of bounced around... Um, a bunch of amateur leagues and i think i think this is actually his second professional contract but it's first time in a fully professional league um and there were and then mike weir another draftee i think all of our draftees were in the first half for some reason um but he was on the wing yeah it was um it was cool to see a mix of quote-unquote veterans right and, and some of the, the the younger newer players that you talked about particularly um, the draftees and and Koi Koi was listed. Koi Koi Nelligan was listed as a reserve. Uh, we can talk a little bit more about you now how they did. Um, but looking at the the first half, some of the the takeaways. Um, let's talk a little bit about the action. You were there. You watched it. I was able to watch a replay of the match. Um, any surprises? Were there things that stood out to you um, from that first half of the game? Yeah. So Old Glory was a bit slow out of the gate which i guess isn't surprising first action of the season um but it it definitely took them a moment to to get into the match and part of that will just be that they were practicing and when you're practicing you're not trying to to hit anyone too hard and certainly the coaches don't want you to go full contact and damage anyone so you know part of it was just the physical thing getting into the the habit of like oh yeah i i have to hit these people like this is they're not just going to fall over and we'll we'll restart or you know coach isn't going to blow the whistle and have us do it all again like you need to to actually hit people so but once they they did that i thought they they really did get into it um as another surprising thing is just like how much the tackling has improved 
this year. Um, last year we had we really had a problem with with tackling. We did not have a as a team a great tackle success percentage, um, and I did not notice that many missed tackles. And when there were missed tackles, they were mostly forgivable ones. There's ones where you know ones where like two people are trying to tackle the same person, so one person misses, but the other one gets the guy, and that. You know that's fine. That's mm-hmm. that's not a problem if you, as long as you get the guy down. But um, it did seem like the the backs didn't have a lot of good attacking structures, and I don't know if that's just because the lineup was weird, or you know, like it's not not all the starters or that stuff. But they didn't seem to be trying a lot of interesting creative stuff in the backs. Um, which which did surprise me. I was hoping that was going to be a bit better this year because they didn't really have a lot of attacking structure last year either. But yeah, you ho- you hope for these things to improve. Yeah, you you talked about Old Glory DC being a little slow out of the gate, and from what I watched of the recording, um, New York jumped out. I think they scored two tries pretty quickly. That first try, I couldn't tell who it was. Was that Mike Weir or was that Own Chi who was trying to kick the ball deep in her own zone that got blocked? We had a couple of blocked kicks early on which again is probably just one of those that the kickers are not yet haven't got into the habit of uh having enough space around them to to make the kick yeah and that was my next question that was probably spacing right the 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 dimensions of the field at the st james um probably a little bit different than what Oak Glory will see at Segra Field and at other places. So th- things did little, look a little tight and a little packed there, but again, you have to make some concessions when you're playing indoors. Yeah, although in, in some ways it'll it's a good test because like that one, the problem was that Sheehy was in the, the end zone, but like it's not a big try zone there because it's it's not a a full rugby pitch, but that's also true at Segra. Like mm-hmm. we had an issue with that one year where uh, our fly half stepped out the back of the end zone, and and um, you know the other team got the ball because because of the shallow try zones. So you know, in some ways, good practice. You've still got to be able to do stuff, even if you've got a shallow try zone. You've got to yep. you got to figure it out. Yeah, so, that's true. Yep. I mean, I also think New York was pretty. They were aggressive and they were opportunistic. Mm. And they've actually, this isn't their first preseason game. They played Toronto the week before. So it's not surprising, I guess, that they had, you know, a bit more cohesion and a bit more, like they were a bit more on top of it from the beginning. And it's probably just that they had that, that extra game time and they, you know, we're, we're going through everything they probably went through last week in terms of, of like getting used to, to playing rugby again. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. Um, from what I watched, it did seem like New York was sharper, and that probably was because of what you just said, right? They, they'd already played a game a week before when they played uh, Toronto in Michigan, um, indoors. Can't imagine trying to play rugby outdoors in Michigan right now. Uh, but they did look sharper, and I think that's probably just because familiarity of, of having that one hit out right before this. So I'd, I'd anticipate that Oglory DC will look sharper um, next week, um, and we'll play Toronto, and we'll talk about that um, in a little bit there. I want to talk a little bit more individually about some of the players, right? 
were there in the first half? Were there any players that really stuck out to you that had some some good performances that maybe turned some turned some some eyes in their direction? Yeah, someone who surprised me was Graydon Boyd. Um, he like again, you never know what you're gonna get, and like he's a an over he's over thirty, and you know he played for the Canadian national team like occasionally for years, um, but then he. And so he stepped into fly half, and you're like, how is he going to manage at a professional level? And and he just has, he's good. He has that, that fly half vision that I feel like we were lacking last year. Like, we had some, mm-hmm. you know, like when Mike Dabula stepped in at, at fly half last year, he, he had the attacking skill, and he had the kicking, and he, there were bits of, of the game that he is, like, much better at than Boyd but he he didn't have the the like instant vision and the bit that comes to mind for me in the the preseason match was there was there was a bit where Boyd caught the ball and looked around and and in a split second just you know looking over to his right to see who was available he he instantly realized that there was an opening on the edge and did a skip pass all the way to the wing and that like that instant decision making and being aware of who's around him and like who has an opportunity to make a play like that distributor role he's really good at and honestly Mm -hmm. that that really excites me and i hope that we do i hope that we may form our game plan around that because right now we've tended to rely on just like individual skill of players and like we just pass it down to the, the line until someone wants to take a a crack at running it and you know we don't mm-hmm. do anything too creative or or interesting in how we organize our backs play and that's that's a shame because it means that someone like Boyd doesn't have a lot of options for where he can put the ball and with someone with that vision who can see those options and can make that assessment if the more options we give him the better he's going to be able to like the better options he's going to be able to find and you know now that we have like fly halves that can that manage those those options like we we should just be giving them options so like when he catches the ball he should have someone in front he should be able to pass behind he should be able to do a skip pass he should he should have those options around him so that that he can use them you know be a field general sort of <laughs> sort of player and i feel like we don't really we didn't really do any of that this time. And maybe that's, again, because of the weird lineup. Maybe that's um, because it's preseason. They haven't really had that game experience yet. It's the sort of thing that that can change over the course of the season. The team can get better at. But but that's what I want to see from that. First impressions on how you felt great and linked up with um, Danny Tusitala. Uh, when I watched him in the recording, he was... This, Typical energetic self, playing with a lot of energy, um, chirping in people's ear, which you love to see from a scrum half. I feel like if you're scrum half, you got to chirp and get on people's skin. How do you think uh, Danny played uh, in that first half? I thought Danny was great, and he he had a like one really good run, and he like um, collected a, a chip kick and and kept mm-hmm. things going. He's, I think he's going to have a, a good season again. He, he sort of fell off a little last year, and that was mostly because the team around him, you know, when the team around you isn't performing super well, it's easy to focus on the players who are good and, and shut them down individually. And so I felt like 
Danny got a little shut down last year, but hopefully this year um, that won't be the case. He'll he'll be able to be his usual energetic self, like you say. So if I, if someone's playing fantasy major league rugby, should Danny Tusatala be one of the first scrum halves drafted? I mean, I I would say so personally. <laughs> um, you know, I know you're asking because you have a vested interest. Personally, I would take Danny pretty high. <laughs> All right, very good, very good, very good. I think I'll probably do that uh, for any of my fellow fantasy Rucker league members listening in. Um, I may or may not be taking Danny high. We'll see. Maybe it's just some smokescreen. But um, first half, back to the first half. Anyone else that stood out to you? Maybe one of the newer names. Um, We we talked about Graydon, but any of the other newer names um, on the squad that stood out to you in the first half? Yeah, I thought Alejo Dairo did a a good job. The... um, new flanker out of Argentina, one of the new flankers out of Argentina. Um, but U.S. qualified, which is important. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he um, he managed to get that, that first score. He sort of hung around the wings a lot on attack, which, which he liked to see. We haven't had a lot of... Our forwards last year were very interested in, like, sticking in the middle and just, like running up the gut which you need that too but it it was fun to see a player you know a forward willing to hang out with the backs and and provide a bit of extra power out there so liked what i saw there yeah that i agree i saw his um his, his first score deep in in the corner over there and i think all glory was um was excited to get uh, one down on the board at that point in the game you know Overall, uh, Oh Glory, right again, you know, first hit out of the preseason, uh, first time a lot of these guys playing together against another competition, against another team. So, you know, one, it's just good to go out there and watch them play. And, of course, I think we know what to expect from from, um, the New York Ironworkers. They're going to be an aggressive team. It served them well last year. There's been some turnover for them but they've got some they've got some nasty forward play some big guys out there that are going to bring it they're going to be aggressive um you know maybe you know be a little rule pushing here and there i think that that might be fair to say but um turning it over to the second half again lord dc had a second half squad maybe only one or two guys maybe hung around from the first 15 i think danny was still out there but Looking at that second half squad, um, a few new names that are on there. Some guys that signed on from the in the off season, but of course, some veterans who were on the squad last year. What um, kind of were your? I guess maybe let's chat through this lineup a little bit. What were, who are you most excited to see going into the second half of some of the new players? Yeah, so like the obvious uh, answer is Tito Diaz Benia, like coming in at fly half and. Um, and especially after seeing Graydon Boyd do such a good job in the first half, I was, was extra excited. You know, it's like this guy's supposed to be even better than that. So like, and he was good. He was he was very good. And then obviously Kurt Baker in the the backfield. He was a bit more quiet, which is normal for someone, you know, coming over from sevens. It's sometimes difficult to make an immediate impact because you have so much less space than you have in that game. Um. Yeah, and then getting to see Mike Taboulis back on the field, that was that was just good. You know, the guy's been out for so long with injury that 
it was just good to see him playing again. Yeah, I agree. If you're an Old Glory DC fan or even fan of the the men's Eagles, it's always good to see a player of his caliber and I think also uh, his potential and how he, how it'll develop back out on the field after uh, an injury kind of took out the took out most of of all of last year. So good to see him out there. Um, going into that second half, let's talk a little bit. Let's break that down. Um, any any surprises? Were there any players, any performances, um, any parts of the game that um, stood out to you? Yeah. So it's a bit random, a bit niche, but um, I thought Fenton Coleman did a really good job at lock, which is is sort of surprising. He played a couple of games last there last year for us at lock but um he he held up really well in the scrum which is locks a deceptively tough position it's like not in the front row so you're not directly you know going at it with the other team but you have a really important job of keeping your front row stable like the locks are actually they play a big role in in how the the front row plays and so you know, for him to just step in at lock after playing the first half of the the game at flanker, like, or no, at number eight, played the first half in number at number eight, and then played the second half at lock, and it's it's an impressive switch for someone who's ultimately a very young player still. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The, I think that versatility um, is key. That depth, right? Being able to move guys around because injuries are going to happen, of course, going to come up, and every team's going to deal with it. Um, I, you know, I played back in, in college and the, the forward pack was always a dark arts and a mystery to me. They told me just to kind of get it, stay out of the way. But, um, how did you feel like the scrum? How did you feel like the, um, the guys in the scrum, the forward pack, uh, performed, um, overall first half, second half, or just the entire game? That was, that was great. Like it was... It was good to see. Obviously, you don't know who who New York is putting it up in the the lineup. But the second half, the the scrum really took off. Like we were pushing them back, we were getting penalties, and on the malls too, we were driving them like 10, 15 meters, and and generally getting penalties out of that. There was a a try we scored, a penalty try we got because we mauled over, and they committed you know another mall penalty, and and the referee just gave us the the penalty try and. That stuff is just really good to see because it's one of those ones where, like, you know, maybe we won't be that good at it during the season, but what you can accomplish in preseason games and that sort of thing sort of sets a... It's unlikely that you're going to get way, way better randomly in the last, like, couple of weeks before the season. So for it to be in a good place means that means that I'm, I'm pretty confident our, our scrums are going to be good or at least not bad and our malls are going to be pretty good. Or at least not bad, and actually the forward play overall in the second half was was really good. Like when they tried to maul, we were we were really good at, at holding them up and not really letting them get anywhere. When they tried to, you know, just run it up the gut, we had a couple of goal line stands where they, you know, they were just trying to smash it through, and our forwards were really knocking them back. And part of that's because you've got, you know, you had Jamison Fun and. <coughs> Jamison Fanana Schultz um, and Corey Daniel and Lautaro Bavaro out of Argentina, new guys stepping in, um, Tavita Nangali, like, you had some, some good experienced forwards in the pack in the second half, and, and it really showed. 
they really made a, a big difference. Yeah, I would say uh, across the board, um, I, th- I thought the pack played pretty well. Pretty, I think a, a something, a, a pretty strong performance they should be pretty happy about. Um, some good play, and again, you know, we talked about this. They played the a New York team that had already had a preseason game underneath their belt already, right? So they had a little bit of some continuity and cohesion and, and playing together against another opponent already under the belt. And so for Oak Glory to, to step in on their first preseason game like that and perform as well as they did, again, results aside, because again, results really don't matter that much um, in preseason. You're just looking for particular things. I, I got to say, overall, pretty pleased with how the, the forward pack, um, forward pack played. Moving back um, to the backs a little bit, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, lacking some structure. There were a few phases there where it didn't seem like there was a ton of go-forward ball, and the backs were kind of catching it flat-footed. Um, and there were some individual players who did have some good performances. Again, excited to see what um, Tito is going to bring to uh, the squad this year. But um, let's talk a little bit about John Rizzo. I think he was a player that I think stood out for a couple of reasons. And and one I want to bring up, and I'm pretty sure I have this right, but I'm almost certain John Rizzo is a, is a local guy who played for a local men's club team, shut out to the Washington Irish. Um, how would you rate his performance uh, on Friday? I thought he did a, a great job. Obviously he scored a try. He um, which, but that you know, it's a team try, and he was the one on the the wing who was the last one to touch the ball, so so he gets credit for that. But yeah, you do your job. Yeah, if you're the wing. You just got to put it down. And <laughs> got to finish. And he did a good job. He got it like right back in towards the center, so it made the the conversion kick easier, which is, is what you like to see. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I was impressed with with him, and there was a notable noticeable difference i think between the first half and the second half with the the ability of new york to just like crash through the the edges with their wings and that's partly like new york always opts for some pretty big players on the wings like um yes <clears throat> yes ed Fidel. i would ed not Fidel. want to tackle him yeah oh, goodness <laughs> like it's like when we put junior sal on the wing like it's yeah, and there's a certain amount of that. Like you, you take players like um, Mike Weir, you take um, even Penny Lasanga. Like they're really not physically very large, and like when you get that sort of size mismatch, it just means that those players on the edge can they can get themselves an extra ten meters, and so there's there's always space on the wing for them. And when you had Dabulis on one wing, and then you had Rizzo on the other wing I think that made a a big difference you didn't quite get that same amount of space on the edge because they're a little bit physically more developed and were more able to to take those guys down in a a shorter space so yeah I I really liked Rizzo and I, I you know he might be able to make his way into the into the lineup quite frequently because you know we need domestic players and and we have a, we have a lot of foreign players on the roster so if he can prove himself he'll he'll get time yeah he's he's definitely um it's definitely a competitive um backline and and if you're you're Josh Sims and you're um no glory D, DC coaching staff you've got to be excited about the uh 
amount of uh, weapons, frankly, that I think you have in the back line because I think you've got a number of individual players that can really shine. And again, a number of players didn't play, right? You talked about Junior Sal, he didn't play. Threaten Palamo didn't play. Um, both they're held out. I don't know if there was injury concerns or just numbers, but both injured. They're both injured, okay. yeah. Um, confirming that, you know, hopefully they're ready uh, week one. Uh, but again, you mentioned it. When Junior Sal went out on the wing in the second half of last year, he really popped because he's a mismatch. It was tougher, tough as physical as he is, it was tougher for some maybe some smaller wings to try and to bring him down. Um, so New York, right? We know what type of team they are. They <clears throat> won the MLR Shield for the first time last year. Your overall thoughts, impressions on, on that team, um, what you saw on Friday. Yeah, I think they're going to try and thrive on um, being opportunistic, being aggressive. They've always, just like last year, they're going to try and push the line on what's allowed rules-wise. Like, they got a lot of breakdown penalties because they were they were being aggressive, both trying to turn the ball over, something that we allowed a lot. Um, would like us to protect our rucks a little better, but... Um, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna try and and be that sort of pushy aggressive team like they were last year, and I think that'll that'll actually serve them pretty well in the beginning of the season. They're they'll probably catch some teams by surprise. They'll they're gonna get up early on some teams early on, and you know put seven points, fourteen points on the board, and then and then just sort of survive the rest of the time. But I think. I think they could struggle towards the middle of the season because I think once teams catch on to what they're doing, they are stoppable. Like, we saw them on Friday. They weren't... You know, they they got a lot of good go-forward, but they also don't have the discipline to keep that up forever. So if you can slow them down, they'll, they'll shoot themselves in the foot eventually. And... And I think teams will will get better at doing that. Like once you figure out the little trick to defending them, and you you figure out like how to deal with them, I think I think they might struggle mid season, and then end season. Who knows? Like teams change so much beginning of the season to end of the season that I'm not going to predict that far out. Yeah, it's it, it, nearly impossible, right? And. It's, in the early part of the season, those first few games in February going into March and in some parts of the country going into April with how cold things can be and how weather could play a factor in some of those games, um, those first, you know, five, six games, there still may be a feeling out period, right, as teams try and figure out, you know, establish their identity or, you know, for some teams they're going to be on the road to start the season, right? Chicago, they're going to have uh, – one road game, then they have five straight home games, um, which might be good for them. They got a heated field, apparently, which would be yeah. interesting to watch. Um, so, yeah, the first part of the season, um, a lot of it will be kind of up in the air as teams try and figure out who they are and, and how they match up and, and guys stay healthy. Uh, let's close out final thoughts on the first preseason game. A lot of good stuff happened, um, but anything in particular that stood out to you and, and then anything they might need to work on that we may see a little bit differently as we head into the second preseason game that we'll talk about in a bit. Yeah, so set pieces looked really good. You know, the malls and the scrums like we talked about. Um, tackling was, was really good. Place kicking was good. Last year we, we had a, like, shockingly bad um success rate for kicks for conversions and and penalties and this this time we made all of our kicks and 
and from difficult angles too a lot of kicks from the corner and that stuff and and it was all fine so i'm looking forward to to not missing out on the free points next this year um overall i thought they had a good defensive mindset i feel like the defense was more coherent than it has been previously it, it feels like everyone knows where they're supposed to be in next man up sort of man mindset and and defensively um or overall i'm just impressed how little drop off there is between the the starters and the backups you know with them all mixed together mm. you know you'd see a player do something and it wouldn't immediately jump out to you whether they were a starter or a backup and that's different from last year um you know, I remember players last year in the, the preseason games, you could tell the ones who were who were out there to get game time, the ones who were who were just being, you know, given some exposure, but you weren't gonna make too much of an impact in the season and the the drop off was obvious. But you know, we have a, a smaller squad this year, which concerned me because it's like that's less depth, that's you know fewer people to, to cover in case of injury, but I think the quality of the players we have is it's overall higher and more consistent i don't think there's there's any real duds on the squad which which is good to see it makes me feel a lot better about our our depth situation they do still need to work on some things like um cohesion obviously that'll come with just playing time like this is the the first hit out they'll they'll get better at that and then i would love to see some attacking structure you know maybe they just weren't doing that because they don't want to put anything on tape but i i want to see them use the backs more creatively all right well so let's talk about that so their next preseason game is uh this friday february 10th right back at the saint james it's cool to have two home preseason games they're taking on the toronto arrows and the heroes, they they played New York and lost six tries to four tries again. Results don't matter really all that much um, in the preseason. Talking a little bit about Old Glory DC here, do you anticipate that maybe for stretches of this game against Toronto, the match day 15 that will trot out against Chicago for the, the regular season opener, do you think we will see them play together against Toronto on Friday? What are your thoughts there? I would certainly expect so. It's one of those where you never know what the coach is going to want to do, but um, you know, if it were me, I would want to start getting them some time together. You know, have you know Tusitala and um, Diaz Benia and you know whoever you're going to play in the centers and the wings and like you know try and get the the starting front row together to to get some time together, but. You know, because you do want to start getting them some real game time together before you get that opener against Chicago. Um, that's the point of these preseason games, but you never know. I'm not a coach. Who knows? If you can't get all the, say, the 15 together because maybe you want to hold some things back, and I can kind of understand that from a, from a coaching perspective, maybe kind of surprising teams, but after the first couple of weeks... All the teams are going to have game film on on the clubs, and they'll be able to try and pick apart certain tactics and strategies. That at that point, you know, everyone they start to game plan a little bit, right, and everyone uh, adjusts. But I think um, some of the themes that I've been hitting on that you've been talking about, 
I think, are the backline player, right? So I would like to see 10 through 15 out there, even if it's for 10 or 15 minutes, to see some see some game plan, right? So see some, some moves put together. I'd like to see how they're going to attack a little bit because I'd hate for week one against Chicago. And again, we know they're doing this in practice, but love to see them put some phases together, what we think their attacking structure may look like going into week one and not week one be, uh, okay, let's hope they, uh, we know they got some good individual performers, but are they going to be able to put it together for 60 minutes, 80 minutes? So that's what I would like to try and see on Friday against um, Toronto. Uh, I think Toronto will be an interesting uh, matchup. They've had some changeover uh, on their squad. Um, they do um, have a number of solid players, though. They're always going to be a tough squad. I mean, just look, if you, you talk about a, a team that has had to go through a lot the last three years. I think Toronto's probably been through it the worst with, you know, the year and a half essentially on the road, away from home. The fact that, you know, they start the season, most of the time they're playing on the road. Um, they can't really play home games there until, you know, I guess a little later in the spring. So, um, you know, three cheers to Toronto for everything that they have to go through. But um, for me, if we're talking about Friday, the last preseason game before the regular season, I'd love to see some of those components of the starting 15 come together so we can have some sense of how it may work, how it may come together. Um, but uh, I guess we will find out. AKP, I wanted to close out this last this uh, this last segment here. Uh, we talked a little bit at the beginning about other rugby that was going on this weekend. Of course, it was hard not to to steal a couple moments away to watch some Six Nations. I probably didn't share this with you, but uh, I'm a big Ireland fan. Maybe the name Fitz, the last name Fitzpatrick gives it away a little bit. Although I get called Fitzgerald all the time. Fitzpatrick's an Irish name, but Ireland looked pretty good against Wales. They uh, they hung 34 on them, got the bonus point. When, um, I'm, if you want to tell the fans the team that you cheer for and their result this weekend, I'll leave that up to you. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I'm I'm I root for England, you know, because I got that's where my parents are from, so family ties, and yeah, that that did not end well. <laughs> They're just a complete mess right now, which I don't know since. Since I've gotten more into the USA rugby thing, um, I've paid pay less and less attention to to England. But now they're not even like a a safe winning winning squad anymore. It's like, oh my goodness, are any of my teams going to do well? They just look completely disorganized. It makes me concerned for Italy because I did watch i I watched all of the the France Italy game and. Like Italy is so much fun to watch. They're such so, such a chaos team, and like you'd hear the commentators talking about how like they're doing new things, and like there was one pit <laughs> they were like they're committing suicide by doing this, but you know what? <laughs> it's fun, and and I think they'll catch someone out, and they could well catch England out because I think the way to beat Italy is to to keep your discipline and and don't get sucked yeah. into their crazy crazy BS, but. England doesn't have discipline right now. They don't have a a game plan that they feel comfortable with that they're going to stick with. So they could well get, you know, pulled into the shenanigans and and get beaten by Italy. So I well, I think I don't know. 
It's going to be a rough well, Six Nations. <laughs> so I, I won't commit you to pick a winner for this weekend, but I'm going to say Ireland beats, I think Ireland at home, they'll beat France, and they'll march on to uh, possibly the Grand Slam, the Six Nations on their way to the World Cup a few months later. And then as much as I hate to say this, um, because I do enjoy um, – watching Italy and try and win. I don't think they beat England. I think England bounces back. Scruffs went out, and poor Italy starts their Six Nations campaign 0-2. But I guess we'll find out next weekend. Um, so, yeah. I'll let you reserve your picks for some other time because I know it's still a, uh, it's a fresh wound for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what? I'm going to go for the chaos pick. I'll say England and Italy tie. Ooh, I like it. I like it. I and like yeah, it. I'll oh. I'll take Ireland over France at, at home. If it was in France, I might I might go for France over Ireland, but I don't know. I haven't watched a lot of Ireland. I don't really don't really have a good sense for where they're at, but well, AKP, I'm excited for this weekend, the last preseason game. The next time we are going to talk, we're going to have so much to talk about. It's going to be the week of round 1 in the regular season for Major League Rugby. Ogilor DC is going to be hosting the Chicago Hounds at home. I'm looking forward to that. But first, let's get through this final preseason game. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of Glorious Rugby. For Alistair, I am John. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>